Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's Mike Shope and the Bulldog. I'm your host, Jeff Skinner. And today's guest, we have Mattias Samuelson. It says here that your dad, Kajel. Shell. Another classic American name. It's Mike Shope. Your goal song is the country song, Trip Too Hard by Little Baby. Why? Uh, it's a good song. I like, I like the beat. No, why do you have a goal song? And the Bulldog. Oh, um, hoping one day you get one. Dream big, that's good. On WGR Sports Radio 550. <laughs> it's funny. Like, Jeff Skinner had that web series last year, and people were often talking about how, how much they enjoyed it. And then, like, okay, the vibes are pretty good. Yes, it's not a playoff team, but not only are they much improved, they're fun, and they, they can score. They feel, it feels like they finally, through their coach, uh, realize, like, offense is the way. And this year, it's just the return to, well, hell, I guess. Uh, we'll talk about some of the recent unpleasantness. And by recent, I mean most of the last 12 years with or 50. Greg Wyshynski of ESPN.com. But first, Greg, happy holidays. Thank you for on short notice joining me today. And I loved reliving the first Winter Classic because, of course, it was ours. I was there. It was a great day. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. I had a, an article on, on ESPN.com today. Uh, about the first Winter Classic 15 years ago this year. And just looking back at it, because we've got, you know, the 15th edition of this thing is coming up with the Vegas Golden Knights and the Seattle Kraken. And it's kind of amazing to think about how much had to go right uh, in that first Winter Classic to get to where we are now, where it's become so commonplace. Not only, you know, the, the Sabres stepping up and hosting the thing after the NHL's original plan of, Boston and the Rangers at Yankee Stadium fell through, but all the little things through the process. In writing the story, I mean, think about this. They didn't even know what to do if they couldn't complete the game. They never had to worry about this kind of thing. Like, is it is two periods official? Like, how long did it have to go? All these things that the NHL kind of figured out along the way, and then, of course, getting the, the, the snow globe effect at Ralph Wilson Stadium and everything else that went right on that day to then launch what has been probably the most successful thing that's happened since that canceled season for the NHL. I do want to get into some of the details here, but do you still feel it for the Winter Classic? Maybe did this research and this piece maybe bring some of that out for you? So the the, the outdoor games in general, and, and I've covered a bunch of them, um, have kind of, I think, fallen into that realm of where the NHL All-Star game is. Like, Mm-hmm. A lot of fans don't care about the All-Star game. Uh, maybe they will this year with the format change and, and, the, and the things they're doing with the skills competition. But for the most part, it's not something that you really make time to watch, like maybe you did back in the days when it was like Gretzky and Mario. But if you're at, if you're at the thing, if you're on the ground, if you're going to the event, it, it feels like the Super Bowl. Like It feels like the biggest thing that's happening in that city. And it's the same thing with these outdoor games. Like On television, yeah, you know, the luster is kind of lost unless it's a really unusual 
uh, venue or if it's a, a matchup that maybe you're not expected to see all the time. Um, you're not maybe making time to watch these outdoor games. But that being said, if you're, if you're there in Seattle for this thing, if you were there at the Cotton Bowl uh, down in, uh, in Texas for the, the Stars and the Predators, which is one of my favorite events I've ever covered, uh, it's a whole different vibe. It's, it still resonates if you're, if you're there and, and you're in the atmosphere of it, even if maybe as a television event it's, it's not as, as thrilling as it, as it used to be when it, when it first started. So how dramatic a, a difference is there, Greg, in from what the buildup to this day in Buffalo back in 2008 was to now that, you know, games in L.A. and you know, Texas, like you said, is it just sort of a easy game to put an outdoor game on anywhere in the country now versus how tenuous things were? I like the piece about uh, Mr. Collins driving to the stadium that day and it was raining. He's like, I don't know if we can do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's basically just uh, really hoping it was going to change the snow because if there's, one, if there's two things that we've learned the outdoor games can't handle. It's rainfall, and then as we learned in that uh, Lake Tahoe game, those Lake Tahoe games oh. they had, which I attended, uh, may- maybe don't hold your hockey game at noon under the, the beating <laughs> sun. Uh, it was a real mistake. So, yeah, they've gotten a lot better at it, not, not only in, in figuring out how to make ice in places where it might be tough to make ice and maintain ice. I mean, like, basically, Dan Craig, the former ice guru of, guru of the league, uh, held, helped make this uh, Winter Classic possible by, by keeping the ice as safe as possible and then basically went to the league and said, here's what we need to, to do this again. <laughs> you know, we gotta, mm-hmm. we got to upgrade our equipment. We've got to be able to have some extra time built in to, to do the setup and do the build. But the other thing they've gotten really good at over the years, and, and it's a big change for the league uh, going from John Collins, who used to be their C- COO, to uh, this guy Steve Mayer, who's their uh, chief content creator, is they've gotten better at the spectacle of it. You could see the difference last year when, you know, the Fenway Park game, I think, was like the third one they did uh, back in, in the early days of the Winter Classic, and it was just a rink on a field. Like, you're expecting the Green Monster and everything to really be the reason you want to watch. And then you watch this other one, you know, that they just did, and, and they've really figured out how to, like, dress it up, you know, with the, with the fake snow with they had a little mini baseball diamond rink or something, uh, you know, next to the, the actual rink. Like, all the little accoutrement that they have for these games, I think, have really made them better over the years rather than just simply here's a hockey rink where it's not supposed to be. Right. So you wrote at one point in this piece, Greg, what would have happened if the 2008 Winter Classic wasn't a success? What do you think? Like, if it rains and they don't play or just it's something else that the ice doesn't hold up, that undermines that game. Is there a second one? Maybe not. I mean, maybe not. If, if it had been a, a high-level embarrassment or disaster for the league, um, if it had lost a ton of money, if, if it didn't work for NBC, and, and we shouldn't forget it, like the NBC part of this, the whole reason we had the Winter Classic in the first place is because NBC wanted to counter-program counter college football because they didn't really have it anymore on their network. Mm-hmm. So instead of, you know, scheduling dog shows and figure skating competitions. They, they wanted to have something from the NHL on that day and decided to do the outdoor game. Um, if, if it hadn't worked, if it was unsafe, let's say, if a player got really hurt at yep. one of these, at, at this first Winter Classic, um, it, it could have been a, a real different story. I mean, there was prepar- there was a lot of sort of lukewarm reaction within the league to the idea of this thing to begin with. There were some questions about the economic model that they had in order to pull this thing off. 
and yeah, the, the Heritage Classic that they had in, Ed, in Edmonton a few years before this was a was a pretty you know good success and, and fueled by nostalgia for the Oilers and things like that. But for the American you know model of this thing, if if the first Winter Classic wasn't the success that it was and didn't whet the appetite of fans to see this um, to see this gimmick placed in other stadiums. It, we may we may not have ever had the outdoor game revolution that we've had in the NHL. If you don't mind, Greg Wyshynski, my guest, Bulldog is not here today. I just want to pinpoint a couple of things about that day that are, are still very vivid memories of mine. I'm glad you mentioned Larry Quinn. When I started to read this, I was hoping, because my version of this was that like Quinn was kind of the brainchild of it, at least from our side of it, not from the leagues necessarily, but I'm glad he was mentioned here. Um, we had we used to have a, an annual golf tournament at WGR, and one year I missed it. And everybody came away from it talking about how Andrew Peters announced to the whole crowd that the Sabres were to play the Leafs at the at the stadium, and nobody <laughs> knew what he was talking about. But he sort of broke the the seal, so to speak. Ended up being Pittsburgh, but like you wrote, they were looking for an opponent for a while there, as maybe teams including Toronto uh, chose not to play. I went to you know I'm a lifer. Um, Bill's playoff games in the 90s, those were the AFC championship uh, three times. And it was always cool to me as an aspiring broadcaster that Bob Costas would be in Buffalo. And there he was that day in 2008 at a hockey game hosting the coverage. And one more. So Bulldog and I went as fans. I'm tailgating with my buddy who's a Pittsburgh fan in, in from, I guess, Connecticut, doesn't matter, with his son playing little hockey sticks in the parking lot. Didn't see Bulldog all day. We've been on together since 2002. This is January 1st, 08. We meet. They wanted us to do the post-game show from the Bills booth, which at those days we were not invited, but it wasn't a Bills game. So we meet at the booth, and, you know, my big brother, Bulldog, says, this is the greatest sporting event I've ever been to. And I'm like, agree. So we start post-game coverage, Greg, and, like, this is amazing. Yes, the Sabres lost in a shootout, but what a day we go to our first call, and the guy was like, how the heck does Max Finneganoff get, get picked for the shootout? Like, he just was <laughs> was pissed about the shootout. And I was just, I cannot believe, like, how do you not? This guy wasn't here, apparently, because, you know, he wasn't feeling the feels. Well, that, I mean, and that's kind of the, the, the most amazing thing about it. I mean, you know, it's a regular season game whenever they go outdoors and do this thing. Like, it's a meaningful game. In a lot of cases, it's a it's two points that are coming at a very valuable time for teams that have in the past used the, the chance to play in these outdoor games as a, a launching point for trying to change the momentum in their season or, or even, you know, just to kind of like take a mental break from the grind. It's, it, it's an important game in a lot of ways, um, which is amazing when you think about, you know, like everybody else gets to play indoors 82 times and then, you know, you're playing in driving wind or blinding sun or whatever for, for what could be a, a game that means you make or miss the playoffs later on. But yeah, it, it's, it is amazing that it, it's come as far as it has. Um, and, and like you said, the, one of the things that's in the story is the fact that Larry Quinn uh, had the guts to say, yeah, we'll host it when other, other teams were like not, not wanting to touch it. And that David Morehouse, who at the time was the CEO, the CEO of the Penguins said, uh, yeah, we'll be the opponent when literally everyone else was like, nah, that's all right. We're not going to do it. And, and the Penguins' willingness to do that with some, you know, very valuable assets on their team that yeah. you don't want to get hurt in an outdoor game like Sidney Crosby and Malkin, you know, those guys. Um, it's, it's really impressive that they stepped up. And if it wasn't for 
that level of star power being in that game with the Sabres, I mean, who knows what the reaction would have been. Right. Crosby scoring the winner in the shootout. The uniforms, Greg, like Pittsburgh go into those baby blue uniforms and the Sabres who weren't wearing that crest that year. It was a kind of a difficult season off the President's Trophy year and the Drury and Briere had left. Remember my wife being upset that she missed the Sabres goal uh, like very early in the second period coming back from the bathroom and, uh, well, really nice reliving this uh, this day with you. And transitioning into modern day, the, the Penguins score at 21 seconds in that game. Like, you sit down and they're losing. And that is happening all the time this year. Uh, you know, I thought it was always, you know, I, I'm an odds guy. I'm looking at the betting lines for this Sabre season this year. Like, they were never really a favorite to make it. But they were certainly trending up. And with their youth and talent, okay, maybe they're certainly live. And now it seems like it's dead already. Is it dead already? I don't think it's dead already. I mean, they do have a close to ten percent chance of uh, of making the playoffs, which doesn't seem very high, but it's still a chance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, you know, the, the, like you said, I, I do think ex- I think the expectations were there for three teams in the, in, in the Atlantic. They were there for Ottawa. They were there for Buffalo, and they were there for Detroit that one of these teams was going to emerge, one of these teams was going to break through and, uh, and be a playoff team. And, and for a long time, it looked that like that team was going to be Detroit, although they've now kind of hit the skids a little bit. Um, and then obviously Ottawa has been an abject disaster with the coach firing and the GM situation. And, and then Buffalo obviously didn't get off the blocks the way that they wanted to um, and, and, and really push for a playoff spot this year. And, you know, it's the same old story. It's a, it's a middling team at five-on-five, five, um, not the worst, but but not the best, and, and in some cases not even average. Uh, obviously, lineup absences have played a role, in particular Tage Thompson, and then it all tracked back to the goaltending. And, and you know, that's that's the real bummer of it all. Is that I think that people came into this season with a really lofty expectation of what Devin Levi was going to be able to do between the pipes. I mean, he's barely been a replacement-level goalie. The, the other two goalies have been below replacement this year by the analytics. And the thing I kept on telling people about the Sabres is like, look, you know, we're all very excited. This is a good core of, of players. We all think they're going to turn the corner soon, but it may not be this season because you're asking a rookie goalie to save the day behind what is still an extremely porous defensive team and a team whose best players don't always engage on the defensive side of the game. And and that's kind of what we've seen play out this year, I think. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, goalies, it's so tricky. It's so easy to be wrong. But I think the Sabres are being blamed for their lack of action at the position this year. I mean, the results are what's going to matter. But yes to your points on Levi. And I would say that about 90% of the goalies in the league. Like, you really can't be sure you can trust it because of how flighty performance at the position is, especially when it's someone so young. I tended to defend the Sabres, Greg, for not making a goalie move because every time I looked at one or thought about one, it seemed like, well, here's why this might not work. Plus your point about who the Sabres are, Um, except for Hellebuck, but that's a huge investment. And there goes Levi if you do that. But there was some speculation about him like, okay, well, if you have to, but no other idea... You're talking about Jonathan Quick, who we've talked about, and guys like I don't know what Ottawa did. I mean, what was the what was the move to make? There was, there, I mean, there there were like you said, unless it was trading for Hellebuck, which I mean, he apparently wasn't even available as he resigned in Winnipeg, or 
you know, trying to pry John Gibson away from Anaheim or something like that. I mean, Pekka Rene, I mean, not Pekka Rene, uh, UC Soros down in Nashville. Um, there was some speculation about him, but, but I think ultimately he wasn't available. They decided to hang on to him. Um, there wasn't like a, a cure-all, and, and, and obviously no one knew Jonathan Quick was going to do what he did with the Rangers, and there's no telling that he was going to be able to repeat those results if he was on the Sabres. So um, the goalie thing with the, with the younger goalies, though, is interesting. I, I wrote a story about a guy named Connor Ingram who is with the, uh, the Arizona Coyotes uh, now, and, and he was a guy that kind of bounced around for a bit, and the Coyotes always liked him, and they were like, we'd love to get him on our team and develop him a little bit. And you know, he's in his mid-20s, and you think about Aiden Hill with the Vegas Golden Knights who you know, helped him win the Cup last year, and then they come back this year, and his numbers are great. And, and I wonder if there isn't going to be a, a, a slight reevaluation of the age curve for goalies that you know, give them a bit more seasoning. You know, don't expect the kids to come up and be good right away. Let them, let them, let them linger. Let them percolate. Let them, let them get better. And then, you know, by their mid-20s, they're going to be ready to kind of handle the load. It's not the best thing in the world when it comes to, like, retaining your talent by a free agency because it means that you're asking these guys to maybe inch a little bit closer to unrestricted free agency instead of being able to control them like you control a younger player. Mm-hmm. But the results are there in some cases of, of letting these guys ripen on the vine, vine a little bit longer than maybe you'd, you'd like to, and then they come up and, and they're, they're more NHL ready. I want to give a shout-out to my friend, in Rochester, Kevin O'Clubja, who's covered the Amherst there for 20 to 30 years. And we're all excited. Like, Levi comes up here end of last season, plays a few games. It's already a team where the future seems pretty bright. Like, all right, let's go. And so Bulldog and I are talking about the Sabres through the summer and like, okay, well, can, is it, can it be just Levi? Like, are they really going to make him the number one or are they going to bring in someone else? Like, what are they going to do? And one day when Bulldog was off, I was talking to Kevin and I asked him about Levi, and he's like, well, we'll see how he does here in Rochester. I'm like, what? And like, go to Rochester? He's like, you mean, you, he said to me on the air, he's like, you mean you think he won't? Like, <laughs> in his mind, there was no way he was going there. He wasn't going there, I mean. And I'm like, well, you're probably right that he should, but um, I wasn't thinking about that at all. And now it seems, well, I don't know what they'll do. I, is, there, is there something they should do that can save him? Um. The, the, the season, I mean, I mean again, the team, the season, the roster. Save, yeah, I know what you're saying. And save them is such a is such a weird term because again, like, yeah, they're they're looking at a, a pretty sizable gap right now, and and their points percentage is under 500, and you know it's but it's like the end of December, and and I you know so you got two two ideas here. One is that maybe they can turn this thing around when they're a little bit healthier, and if they get some semblance of decent goaltending for a couple of weeks. Um, or two, you, you just kind of like wait this thing out and reevaluate in the summer. And, and I think of the two choices, like the idea that you're going to try to push your chips in and try to, you know, sal- quote unquote salvage a season where you're under 500 at the turn of the, of, of the calendar year. I mean, probably isn't the smartest idea. The smartest idea would be kind of reevaluate everything in the summer, which I know is kind of getting, getting to be monotonous as, as it seems like that's what they do every season. But I mean, there's no. I don't think there's any fix, any cure-all here. And then, you know, when we get to the summer, then the real conversations have to start happening about the GM, about the coach, about the direction of the team. I mean, you know, I, I, we did a coach's hot seat recently, and I talked to some people around the Sabres that were like, no, Don Granado's fine. I mean, like, there's, no, there's not going to be any change in season um, because he's well-liked and also because the team doesn't want to pay two coaches. Uh, but when you get to the summer and you start thinking about, okay, well, this is the guy who – you know, sold his, his his gig and sold his expertise on being a great teacher, and the the fundamentals are there in some cases. Call from mom. Answer it. 
Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Some cases not, but do they need somebody who's going to try to take the talent on this roster and elevate it into something better than what it is. I mean, those are the kinds of conversations that are going to be had if this, this season continues the way it's going. Okay. Before you go, Greg, uh, the story of the year in the league, what, what jump, what comes to Vancouver? Like what comes to mind? What's the best story in the NHL this year? Well, if you're talking about this season, um, I, I would probably say uh, not only it's a couple of things. It's one, the, 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 the Rangers have been incredible. Okay. Um, and I think better than anyone expected them to be under Peter Laviolette. I think the uh, Vancouver's resurgence is obviously uh, a huge story too, like you said, and, and that's a matter of their core being healthy at the same time and, and clicking at the same time. And you'd have to say that, that uh, Rick Tockett is probably the favorite for coach of the year. Um, and then probably the other thing is, is Connor Bedard, like meeting and in some cases surpassing expectations for Chicago. I think, you know, we all assumed that as long as this kid didn't screw up, that he was probably going to be rookie of the year. And now he's, you know, creating highlights on a nightly basis and, and doing things that really have him positioned to be the next mega star in this league. But if you're talking about the calendar year 2023, as I think about that, as I do a bunch of year interview stuff, mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely Boston, like setting all those regular season records and then losing seven games in the first round of the playoffs. And then, basically watching their roster implode with Bergeron and Krejci retiring. And then lo and behold, they're still at the top of the division. So it's been <laughs> the, the, the Boston Bruins roller coaster is probably the story, the hockey story of 2023 on the ice. Um, and, uh, and it was, uh, it's certainly been a roller coaster for them. Greg, love talking to you. Thanks for all the time you give us. Happy new year. Yep. Anytime. Happy new year, everybody. Greg Wyshynski of ESPN at Wyshynski on Twitter. Well, I mean, the Sabres have, regressed in important ways i mean 10 percent is 10 percent whatever you know metric he's using for that i feel like it's over i don't know i can only be probably right i certainly would it would be incredible to be wrong here what a turnaround i don't know why it has to wait until the summer to fix as if it's broken you know but just change coaches i don't know why that has to wait how, how expensive is it I mean, I've got other teams all the time in hockey, but this year too, Barubi won a coach or a cup for the Blues as their coach, and he's disposable. What what makes the Sabers so different? I just I, I appreciate how change and just always sort of starting over is um, 
a sign of an inferior franchise. It's what you want, you hope to be able to avoid. But man, like a, a lot of in that conversation, we're thinking about next year already. And the idea that the Sabres might just sit there and wait for that, it's just going to mean another probably another second half where the fans are indifferent and the building's empty. And it's just like they're almost sort of a non-event. I mean, it's it's got to get better quick. Like, you know, already. it's. I think it's too late. 803-0550 for your calls on them, on Bills, Pats, Dolphins, Ravens, everything going around with the playoff picture. Uh, one possibility, I've talked about this a lot this week, but if the Bills don't get to Miami at Kansas City in – the wild card round. I mean, what a way to start the playoffs if that's what happens. I think you'd have to feel pretty good about it. It's not we're not there yet, but um what the Chiefs are able to do from here is such a huge thing to watch because it's just been so different. They've struggled so badly. Anyway, there's always a lot to talk about with different potential matchups and everything else with the playoff picture. Excited to do it and we'll do more of it after sports. Again, 803-0550 if you want to call me. Bulldog is off. This is Mike Shope on WGR. It's kind of like Brady. I mean, once Brady got to a certain point there in 03, that's pretty much the way it was the rest of his career. It wasn't really like that in 02. It wasn't like that in 01. It certainly wasn't like that in 2000. But like once he got to a certain point there about the midseason of the 03 season and then in the playoffs and then from then on, his level of performance and play and consistency was at the very top of the league. Different style of play, but I mean, once those quarterbacks, usually when they get to that point, then they're able to sustain it. Sometimes you just don't know what the growth pattern is going to be. Bill Belichick on Josh Allen. Two games left, perhaps, in Belichick's Patriots career, the first of which is here on Sunday. I'll be here with you after the game, and then we'll all be in position on Monday, New Year's Day, a little bit of a diversion for us coming in on January 1 unless there's a you know winter classic like we just talked about with Greg Wyshynski uh, almost 16 years ago the game yeah we'll all be uh, live and local on January 1 to recap Bill's Patriots what happened in Miami Baltimore and just what does the playoff picture look like now 803-0550 for your calls I'm Mike Shope Bulldog is off today here is Larry with us. Hi, Larry. Hey, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um, so I heard your um, your opening, and I couldn't agree with you more. And you know, just the disappointment of the Sabers. And I called this morning, and I was venting, but I, I just feel like I got to vent with a little more after the Tyler Jost news. So, Mike, help me understand Granado's thought process, if you could. How do you take Jost and? put him in for Thompson because Thompson had personal reasons to miss the game instead of putting in Middlestat or Cousins or Krebs all three of those guys can skate and pass with Tuck and Skinner and the excuse he uses well we really love our second and third lines are you serious we haven't been in the playoffs in now 13 years and we're having trouble on the power play we're in trouble scoring and you love your second and third lines I'm so beyond frustrated, and I don't know how much of that game you watched, but their second goal, their power play goal, where Charlie Coyle was alone in the slot, yeah. there were three savers right near him. Not one of them put a mitt on him. This stuff's been going on all year, Mike, and it's, it's 
so beyond frustrating for me as a fan. You know, watching. Yeah, thank, thanks, Larry. I I don't need him hit. I just need him covered. What, what's similar to, to your frustration, like, how about cover the guy? How many goals have you seen the Sabres give up this year where, I mean, they're 30th, I think, in the league in goals against out of 32, where just somebody is just open and it's not for just a split second. And then the pass gets there and boom. At least you could take the pass away if you're not going to cover the guy in front. Um, he didn't have to use the word love, Granado, but I didn't need his – they. Teams have problems. The Sabres have problems with continuity, too. Krebs was the play for me, I thought. And part of what is really upsetting about this season and where I'm at with Granado is the whole thesis of Granado is development and growth. And like in Krebs, I've got somebody with skill who is buried. And here was a chance, I mean, apparently... You thought another move was maybe safer, but it went so well that you waved the guy the next day. Why was he here to begin with? Why is Gergensen's here to begin with? You know, everything's on the table right now. The roster decisions that were made or weren't made in the summer, the one word I used to describe them was sentimental. And you have this well-respected group of people in the front office, in the analytics department, and Jason Carmanos, who's sentimental? Who's bringing back guys because it feels good? That's not how you do it. That To me, it sounds like the owner, but I don't have any evidence of that. Um, I feel like, though, it sort of feels it fits. In my mind, it fits. Um, but goaltending, the free agent decisions, I doubt Terry Pagula had much to do with Eric Johnson, maybe. But like that hasn't worked at all. And, yeah. I'm kind of back to being nowhere with them. Last year brought me back some. I've been really struggling to keep my interest because it just seems like it just seems so minor league in recent years. But then last year clicked, Thompson blew up, and Darlene really did too. And now I've got Samuelson dragging Darlene down, and Granado doesn't know to flip it, to change it, give Ryan Johnson more minutes. Just like some of these thing, th- things seem obvious. And now I've got Granado talking about, well, you can't trust the analytics. I mean, that's how, like, Botterill talked. That's how Housley talked. We're past that in this league. You just got to know. He, he said today, like, some of it is you don't, you don't know what to trust sometimes. I'm not sure that was his exact wording. But you should. You should. And if you don't, you should know what the people who do are telling you. And you should do something about that in, in kind. I mean, that's. Very disappointing. It took me back a decade listening to him today on that. And then, you know, this last night it was about grinding and grit, like we're back in the 90s or something. What happened to this guy? This guy was, you know, su- such a welcomed sound to him, Granado, talking about offense. Finally, the Sa- for once in their history or in the modern history, the Sabres have a coach who sort of gets it to to push to to your 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 as they say, best defense is a good offense. And now it's like that never happened. It sounds like that never happened. He's talking about, he's trying to explain yesterday morning on WGR the, well, how they shifted philosophically. I'm going to have to shift, shift back, you think? I, I, it's just The coach is supposed to know this stuff. The coach has a, a, a major part, a major responsibility in the development of the young players. He was like handpicked for that. And it's just not happening, you know? And with due respect to, to Greg Wyshynski and to Granado, 
It's nothing personal toward him, I hope you know. It's just hockey coaches are so disposable in, 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 you know, in, on real teams. And it's just like Greg says he's talking. I, I believe him 100%. He's talking to people in and around the Sabres. They're like, they're, we're not making a move. Like, I talk to Paul all the time. Paul says they're not making a move. These guys wouldn't make a move. The, the Blues fired the coach who just won them their only cup. <laughs> I don't know. There have been many times with the Sabres where you feel like they're just playing a different game organizationally than other teams. And it's really, really frustrating and sad. Because it really did feel like they had gotten somewhere important coming into this year. And now they're giving up nine goals to Columbus and just like two nothing down. How, How is the crowd supposed to keep interest, right? Like just... I have many friends who were who were there all the time for games. I sort of lost it for for that. But like, is I texted one last night. Is this the low point? What's the low point? It's like there are too many to even uh, ponder. I know how a season can be where there are ebbs and flows, and a, a winning streak is like always like sort of you're, you get one and you're right back to where you wanted to be. This team wasn't supposed to run away with anything. What they were supposed to do in terms of the standings was hang around. You know, likeliest season was around the playoff line, not not way above, but this is pretty far below, and it's not the standings, it's not only the standings that this is about. It's just that they haven't really been good at anything. Power plays awful. Open guys around their net all the time. Goaltending is mediocre at best. The scoring's just been okay. It's not their worst feature, but defensively... They're not it, and I don't know. Like, what does that add up to? Wait until summer? 45 more games. Tony's next. Hi, Tony. Hi, how you doing, Shope? Good, thanks. Uh, Long-time listener here. Uh, Definitely frustrated, just like you. Uh, But I look back to what this organization has been the last few years. When's the last time they hired anyone with experience? If it's perfectly in what, what, what they do with the team, they're not... They got the youngest team in the league. They should have veterans to help support these younger guys coming up. You know what I mean? And like, what we had Lafontaine. Uh, you know, it didn't work out there. Is that when the ownership actually said, you know, we're tired of hiring people that have experience? I mean, you go back with all the coaches, all the GMs. You know, most of the GMs we've had, they've all been from day one. They haven't had any experience. I mean, I want Berube. I want someone to come in here. I want I want max effort. You know what I mean. It just seems like you're watching this team. They're just not putting it out on the ice anymore. It's it looks like they have they're done too. Yeah, I think there's there's some truth here in terms of general manager front office. Who was the last GM the Sabers have hired that had been a GM in the league before? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Wow, that's hard. It's got to be before Darcy, right? Wow, that's who was the last John Muckler? Was he a GM before even? He was a coach of the Oilers. Was he a GM before? Who's the last who was the last Sabres general manager that had already been an NHL general manager? This is not a big area for me. You, you, this is the caller's take, and it's interesting and maybe right. Because I like like if I I'm gonna make a coaching change, I want to go younger, but the Sabres problem is always credibility. And you don't get credibility by hiring your like David Quinn out of BU or just Mark Savard or whoever you might want that's like sort of a new name. Martin St. Louis, if that's not credibility, it's weird. It can work, just like hiring Dan Bilesma can fail. So I, I always want young, but they're in such a hole in terms of credibility that I just feel like sort of if they're going to make a move, it would almost have to be with somebody uh, like that or, or whoever. I don't know if Boudreaux is still in the game or just who you want for this, but somebody with a name, right? Because that's kind of what they usually don't do. Because it's more expensive. You know? Sorry. 803-0550 for your calls. This is Mike Shope on WGR. WGR550shope.com still has not been fixed. I mentioned I got a puppy. Our family. Last Wednesday. She sleeps a lot. But she is huge fun. I'm loving this puppy. It's my first puppy. It's a pug. My daughter has wanted a pug for years. We had a dog until the spring. He was 16 when he went. And here it is. Now we have, I mean, I don't even know, four pounds, this dog. Like, it's just, she seems like a rabbit. She can kind of stand up on her back legs on this this little fence, this little area where she's fenced in. And it's quite something. Loving it, though. Yeah, you know, you get up in the middle of the night, you clean up after her a lot, but super fast like a like a rabbit at a greyhound track or something. Just crazy. The uh we we called the vet to set up for her getting her shots and everything, and my wife handled the uh acquisition of the dog and that I'm on the phone with the vet and they're asking me the questions. Luckily, my wife is there because she was the one with the answers. She likes when I make the phone call, but I really don't know any of the answers. And the official color of this dog is apricot brindle, which, I mean, that sounds like something else. That sounds like a Anderson's would have an apricot. Anderson's would sell that. You know, maybe, uh, apric- would you like apricot brindle? We have banana splits, and so we have apricot brindle. So anyway, this dog is uh, hilarious and fun, and I'm a proud puppy owner for the first time ever here's matt with us hi matt hey how you doing today good um you know the one thing that uh you're talking about young coaches uh you know one name that's 
actually been mentioned. Uh, I was reading the New York Post, and they uh, they think that Michael Pekka is uh, going to be gone pretty soon because of the job he's doing there. Um, he's getting a lot of credit for their offensive, um, what they call turbocharging their offense, uh, the power play, and they actually mentioned Buffalo as one of the places, obviously, because he has a connection here. Um, and, you know, that might be, uh, you know, something to, to look for. Um, it just seems Granado has the team totally confused as to who they want to be. You know, they, they got to a point where they did something really, really great last year, offensive transition game. And he basically just completely discombobulated them to the point where they don't even know what to do anymore. It looks, it looks that know how you do that. Yeah, Matt, it looks that way to me too. I think that's an important point to make because the knee jerk is usually effort. And I just don't believe that. I just do not believe. I think there has to be some variance in effort level of teams, but it's such a easy, it's just an easy point that apparently it means everybody doesn't try hard enough. And I just think when it, when you, See it, a hockey team, an NHL team, not a beer league team where maybe they aren't trying as hard, but an NHL team getting paid, real money, jobs on the line, short careers, serious stuff. They're trying. And they look like they're a step behind. So they're not there to make the play, whether that's a body check anymore, to sort of be, quote, tough to play against, all these intentionally vague terms because who can really define them specifically in a meaningful way? This is what it looks like. It looks like, to some, it'll look like effort. But it's not really effort. It's just awareness and preparation and trust and execution comes from those things. And if you're not sure where everybody's going to be and where you should be and how coils open in front and just, and then you're behind and that tilts you even more and you press, that is what a team is going through when it looks like, to some, like it's not trying. Of course it's trying. It's not a physical league like it used to be. So it's not going to show up in thunderous body checks i don't know maybe peck is perfect right i mean i think you sort of need somebody with more if you're going to replace granado on a franchise that has missed the playoffs for 12 years in a row and has rarely even been close to making it and has major credibility problems with its fans and maybe with everybody a name coach is kind of like a logical step which granado respectfully is not i mean he development coach that's not. A, I don't mean to be insulting. Like he was kind of just right for where the Sabers were in the in the curve on the curve. But come on with this team, it's a mess. And better teams than this make coaching changes every year in the NHL. It's happened two or three times already this season. So maybe Pekka is just what uh, the Sabers should do. I don't. Do you, do you get it? They're they're really good. Do you get an assistant coach off the bench in the middle of a season just if you want to? I mean, I guess that probably could be possible. Thanks, Matt. I'm going to have my chat with Sal on Bill's Patriots, the AFC playoff picture, and Von Miller's comments today coming back. This is Mike Shope on WGR. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com. 